just like Alice in Wonderland on the other side of the looking glass, lately it just feels like we've been transported into a topsy-turvy world where everything is the exact reverse of what it should be. We've seen parents speaking up at school board meetings treated like domestic terrorists, and healthcare providers once considered heroes on the front lines in the battle against COVID now being criticized and even fired. We're going to tackle these tough topics and more on today's show. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, and I'm joined today by our president, Victoria Cobb. All right, before we dig in here, Victoria, I really do think we should hear about your family's experience with COVID because it kind of ties into today's topic. Plus, we could just use a little levity and some laughter in the middle of all this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I I, want to start by saying I had a very mild form of COVID, so I don't want to take light that there are people who struggled much greater than I did, and I even know someone who died from COVID. So I don't want to laugh it all off. But in my actual case, it gave me basically 12 days isolated in my room where my husband had to run our whole family of four kids. Well, I didn't actually feel that awful. So, you know, it was kind of a joke in my family, like, does she really have COVID or is she just taking a little break? <laughs> so, um, Well, it, did this break involve being served, you know, dinner or some nice desserts or anything? Um, my husband was fantastic. He actually went out to Trader Joe's and got a whole bag of snacks and he left them in my room for me to have and then he would bring me meals like regular meals at my now interestingly enough I actually lost my entire appetite I didn't lose taste or smell like some people do but I lost Mm -hmm. my appetite so I really didn't actually need that much for meals wise but um, the other thing I should say that was very entertaining is when you unfortunately get COVID your school you know has to send your kids home even if they don't have COVID so no one else in my family got it I isolated But boy, my teenage daughter, I have to tell you, missing school to a sophomore who's very um, academically achievement minded, it was sort of the end of the world. And here's the problem. If anybody gets it after you get it, it resets their quarantine clock. So they would have to stay out longer. So she was ruthless. It was like having a guard at, at at your bedroom door to make sure no one walked in, no one could possibly be exposed so that she didn't miss one more day than she could possibly have to miss just from my exposure. Yeah, that's really tough on kids. I mean, I know kids that have missed actually a very large percentage of school just from other people, maybe in their family or their classmates. Yeah, any exposure is going to send you home for basically about eight days. I mean, there's no way around it. You can end up getting a negative test and get put back in at the end of sort of something between five and eight days. Schools are all different, but you're definitely missing school if you've been firsthand exposed, period. And that's hard for a lot of, and now my little kids, I don't know that they actually cared. <laughs> right. <laughs> they can maybe sneak in some cartoons and stuff, but <laughs> I guess it's good that Elizabeth actually wants to go back to school that bad, that she's standing guard at your bedroom door. Um, now, I do just want to mention one little funny episode where I think, didn't you almost fall out the window or something? <laughs> like it, is, this? it is true. We had all my windows open the whole time, of course, to keep airflow, you know, <laughs> and it starts pouring rain in the middle of the night. I go walking over to close the window and we had some stuff that had to go in the attic that never got there before I had to yeah. be locked down. And so I trip over something and literally almost go flying out the window. A screen door ends up, I mean, a screen window ends up hanging sort of out the window and it's pouring rain. <laughs> 
train and I have to call Matt. He's two floors down in our guest bedroom and I'm calling Matt. Matt, you got to come up here. I got to figure out how to fix this window. So finally I get him in and he's like double, triple masked, whatever, trying to come in. It's like you're some kind of toxic individual, but I'm like, there's rain coming in and I can't stop it. So yeah, we had a, we had some entertainment. Yeah. He's probably thinking, why can't I just have a normal wife that sleeps, you know, all the time? Yeah. <laughs> he also walked in one time where I was trying to get some exercise because you're stuck in your room for forever. So I literally walked up mile in my room. I just kept doing circles. But many thought that was a little weird. Yeah. Those of us that know you understand your, your supernatural energy level. So that doesn't surprise me. But moving it on, I guess we got to dive into today's topic. And at the outset of the show, you know, we mentioned, I mentioned how ironic it is that at the beginning of this whole COVID thing, we were lauding our healthcare providers as heroes, and rightly so. They deserve that because they were on the front lines of that risk. But now, oddly enough, we're seeing many of them getting public backlash and worse, you know, suspended or fired from their jobs, all because there's a significant portion of healthcare providers that don't feel comfortable being forced into a mandated vaccine from their employers. Yeah, I I actually just saw an article in the Washington Post the other day, and it was reporting that hundreds of hospital and healthcare employees right here in Virginia have actually been either suspended or lost their jobs over this issue. So basically, there's a mandate in place in their in their place of employment, and they're saying we're not comfortable with that. And it's not just in healthcare places either. We have to realize, you know, we're when you walk into any store, they're missing staff, right? Anywhere you go, there's a staff shortage. And that's for a lot of reasons, but one of them we know now is that there's also airlines, all sorts of places are struggling to get employees because of this mandate that's not allowing for enough exemption or alternative options. Yeah, this is affecting our police force, our schools, everything. And our own legal center, the Founding Freedoms Law Center, is getting flooded right now with people struggling with this issue in their jobs. And where do you think this is coming from, Victoria. What, what's going on right now? Well, a lot of it is because President Biden came out and basically said that he's going to have every employer, I think he put the caveat of over 100 people, but nobody seems to be listening to that part because all these employers are rushing out. He's basically saying all these employers, if you have 100 people, we want you to mandate, we're going to have to have this vaccine and people are rushing ahead of now because it has to go through a process, right? So it's going to come as a result of a, an OSHA regulation. And OSHA is the is the health and safety organization at the federal level. So basically, OSHA is going to force it through regulations. But the bottom line is there's a lot of entities, businesses that are coming out even in advance of these regulations and starting to do the mandate. And I mean, we're talking this could impact 80 million Americans. Well, I'm sad to say when it comes to overreach with mandates, our state got a head start in this area. Some people might remember back in August, I think it was our state health commissioner made this statement that he was going to mandate COVID vaccinations for all Virginians. And if I think if I'm right, he may have been the first state health official in the nation to come out with that kind of statement, actually. But thankfully, there was an outcry that this was government overreach and Governor Northam had to quickly walk that back. You know, it's interesting. He did. But yet we do have a candidate for governor that is campaigning, actually just said on television just in the past week that he really believes. And this is governor, former governor Terry McAuliffe, who's running again. He literally came out and said he wants every employer to mandate it for every employee. I was shocked. That's not even over over 100 people. That's every employer. That's small business. So it's interesting. Northam walked it back. But there are people and potentially a future governor where we could still end up seeing this. So it is really alarming. And the way it's the way it's written, the question is, is it going to have enough religious exemptions? Are people going to be able to say, look, this is an issue of faith for me? Some folks 
I mean, let's look back. Let's look at this kind of from a larger perspective. For some folks, these vaccines do have a connection to aborted fetal um, parts. And so for some folks, they're saying, look, I cannot. I'm pro-life. I simply can't take this. And so the question is, are we going to honor that? Um, and then some people have real health concerns. There are reasons that people don't take vaccines based on their own individual medical history. And is whatever happens here in Virginia through OSHA or through a future governor, is that going to account for the reasons that people don't want to take this vaccine? Yeah. And the scary part of all this is that, from my understanding, Virginia law, the way it's written, we don't actually have enough protections for religious exemptions. There's a hole there, apparently. And um, so it's it's a little bit concerning with these legal issues because we just had the Supreme Court justices decline two opportunities to halt some of these overreaching vaccine mandates. I think one was a mandate requiring New York City public school employees to get the vaccine. Another one involved Indiana University. So it seems like, you know, if if this starts going through the court system with religious freedom, with that kind of angle, it may not necessarily be open and shut case, right? No, this is going to be legally, this is going to be challenging. To your point, we've already seen the court, um, you know, choose not to stop some of these, which is concerning. Um, but, you know, there it's this is happening. I think we need to look sort of at the education situation because that might be sort of one of the places where this is scariest, because at least in Virginia, we have all of these college campuses that are not just requiring their employees, as in the faculty, which is bad enough. And we do have professors who are losing their jobs right now because they won't vaccinate and they aren't being allowed an exemption. But they're also they told every college kid, if you want to show back up here on campus, if you want to live on campus, you have to get a vaccine. And we have I mean, this is the bulk of our state colleges. And, you know, it's interesting. I talked to folks from other states. That is not true. In places like Pennsylvania and other states, there are lots of places where colleges are not requiring that vaccine. But in Virginia, it's the overwhelming majority of our state schools. Hi, this is Candy Cushman, host of Speak Up Virginia, and we just got some timely news related to today's topic. The State Board of Health is taking public comments on a petition to mandate all K-12 school employees, public and private, and students to get a COVID-19 vaccine. Add your comment now. Just go to familyfoundation.org and look for the comment on the vaccine mandate banner. Well, I do think it kind of begs this question of where we are moving overall with this. You know, I think we all agree that we need to use common sense with safety. Um, people do need to take precautions. But and, you know, in our own office, there are people that have chosen not to take the vaccine and there, there are people that have taken it. So we can be adults and make educated decisions about that. Um, but it's where we're starting to lose our freedom to make decisions and have the government come in and be like a nanny state and twist people's arms. Um, you know, and then and then we're kind of seeing almost this second tier status develop for Americans who don't have the vaccine. Oh, all of a sudden you can't come in this restaurant or you can't be a part of this social event, or you can't even come on campus. It kind of seems like you can't go to the city of New York at all if you're not <laughs> vaccinated, if you look at their laws. And so, yeah, it's a it's a real problem. And we just have to recognize it's one thing when we're talking smallpox or something that is the death rate is astronomical and there's no avoiding it. There's no way. To, but when we're talking COVID and we're talking about vaccines for kids, if you actually look at things like the stats on kids, you have to really question why we are considering mandating things on this these younger age groups, especially when the stats just don't say that this is actually death serious for most kids. This is actually 
something where we just have to really understand we got to look at this we got to look at why we're absolutely not allowing any exemptions on these things for parents who feel really passionate especially about their kids so i think what you're saying is the line here being crossed is one you've got government overreach instead of leaving it up to local entities lo- you know lo- local employers um and then you have these mandates happening where basically they're not allowing for exemptions, um, either if you have a serious medical complication or a, a legitimate religious objection, including the abortion issue. Yeah, well, and um, you got to look at there's companies that are required for all employees and their employees work remote. We're not using our logic here. There's, a, there's no places that are really talking about, hey, by the way, if you've had COVID and you test your antigens and it's still holding, you don't have to vaccinate. Why would you get a vaccine if you've had it and it's still holding? Your body literally produces a test that says, by the way, I have immunity. Possibly longer than the vaccine. Correct. And so we're not looking at science in its entirety. We're sort of creating these government control mechanisms and saying everybody yield to these, despite the fact that they don't always make perfect sense. Well, first of all, let me say, I never thought I would see basic freedoms threatened like this as a result of a pandemic. I always thought it was going to come from some other way. Well, imagine (laughs) if you can't get a job because you have a legitimate religious exemption and you have trouble finding employment because every employer has now been told they have to do this. I mean, we thought that would come through a viewpoint or something, but it's it's weird how it's now coming through this Vir- issue. And Virginia always had this tremendous nursing shortage. We were yeah. desperate for nurses, and now we're saying good riddance if you won't get a vaccine. And yet they're healthcare professionals. We'd like to think that they are making a good decision because they are more knowledgeable than sort of the average Joe like me. Well, real quick, if you could just summarize, what, what do you think a good balance is here? And what are some of the resources that we have to help people struggling with this? Well, I think the important thing is that as believers, we need to be charitable with everyone about their own decisions around this issue. So the first thing is that our own character stays in check when we're talking about these things and realizing that people make different decisions for different reasons and and just to be kind about that. But on the legal side, our law center is getting absolutely overwhelmed by people who need to figure out this balance. How do they get a religious exemption? How can what is a template for that? And so Um, Our law center has put up a ton of resources on its website, foundingfreedomslaw.org, where somebody can go and get those kind of needed understanding of, you know, what they can do in their own situations to try to find what's right for them that might work for their employer. Well, before we jump into our inconceivable topic for today, which has to do with the FBI basically being mobilized against parents, I did want to talk for a minute about something a little more joyful And that's just recapping our 35th anniversary gala that happened last weekend. First of all, it was so amazing to actually be able to have a chance to, in real life, dress up, go to a formal event after being basically quarantined, you know, figuratively speaking, with COVID for so long and not being able to do events like this. We weren't able to have our gala last year. But also, really, it was just such a great encouragement to look out at that room and see more than a thousand people who showed up to support the work we're doing at the Family Foundation and the values we're all fighting for together to defend every day. Yeah, it it is always so encouraging. There's so much energy in that room. I just, you can feel the sense of people coming together and all being tied by one common cause that everybody feels so passionately about. It's, It's an exciting night. And you gave a really key talk that night. And one of the ways you drove home the work that we do on a day to day basis was highlighting some of the craziest things we've been seeing coming out of Nova, the Northern Virginia area, 
because that can kind of be a harbinger for the rest of the state, right? Yeah, I was simply trying to point out why we had to put a full-time team member up in Northern Virginia because when you have a situation where parents have to read inappropriate texts that are in their child's books in the library and you have a physical ed teacher that says, I can't lie to a child and tell a boy that they can become a girl, that's a serious problem. Yeah, let's just let the audience listen into some of those examples you gave. When parents have to read illicit texts out of their children's books at school, at the school board meetings to make their point, we know we have a problem. When school boards literally kick parents out of their meeting and bar the doors to avoid hearing from them, we know we have a problem. And when gym teachers get put on administrative leave because they simply went to the school board and shared the fact that they cannot participate in a lie to pretend that a boy can become a girl, we know we have a problem. Well, in addition to our president, Victoria Cobb, we also heard from Kaylee McEnany, the former press secretary for President Trump, who was our featured speaker for the event. Uh, what were some of your favorite parts of her talk? Well, I think she gave us a really fun inside look at what happens behind the scenes. You know, she's so poised at the microphone when she's in those press briefings. But she got to tell us a little bit. In fact, one of the funniest things I thought was where she talked about she would go and, and share things with President Trump and he would look them over. And instead of just saying, go back and edit something, apparently he literally would like cut, literally like with scissors, items out of <laughs> what was going to be or said. Or cross it out with a black yeah. marker. I, th I was just amused because you, yeah. you can kind of imagine him doing that. You totally can. Well, she was also really upfront that it was her faith in Jesus the whole time that strengthened her through some really tough you know times in the White House when she was under a lot of fire and she said, you know, this, it was strength to her to know that God had put her in that position for such a time as this. And she took some time to really educate and encourage people in the audience that God has put you here for such a moment as this as well. So let's just listen into that. You are in this place. You are in this time. You're sitting in Richmond, Virginia at the Family Foundation Dinner for a reason. Uh, trust in God. He will show you that reason. Because I can tell you, just as my dad said to me, for such a time as this. Each and every one of you are made for such a time as this. Well, it's that time again. Time for our Inconceivable Moments Award, where we're featuring examples of the absolute lunacy and craziness that happens when cultural leaders try to give guidance completely apart from biblical principles. And we're calling this the Liberals' Most Inconceivable Moments Award. Inconceivable! We talked last week about public officials being pretty upfront that they thought parents should just get out of the way, stay on the sidelines, and let the liberals run the show when it comes to our schools. Now, you would think with all the backlash that immediately came after that nationwide, that just maybe they might back off of that refrain just a little bit. But no, they are digging in their heels more. And now we have the U.S. Attorney General basically mobilizing the FBI against troublesome parents, shall we say. Victoria, give us a quick debrief on what's going on. Well, yeah, I mean, there has been, and I'm proud to see it, there's been this big wave of parents pushing back against the politicized indoctrination, the inappropriate things in libraries. The There's a host of issues that parents have stood up at school boards and said, enough is enough. And then all of a sudden, we see that the National School Board Association has actually sent a letter to President Biden calling on the administration to classify, quote, these heinous actions, and I'm assuming they're talking about by parents, as, quote, the equivalent to a form of domestic terrorism or and hate crimes. 
So they don't specify any specific incidences, neither in their letter nor eventually, as I'm about to tell you, we get we get this response from the attorney general's office. Um, Mer uh, Merrick Garland actually sends this. So, so they send a letter to the Biden's administration. And the very next thing we see is that they respond. But it's crazy because this school board association in their letter actually called on the Department of Justice, the Homeland Security and the FBI to step into gear against these parents. Yeah. And then right on cue, like you said, you get the action from U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland. And one thing in particular that stuck out to me about Garland's memo was the statement in it that they were going to combat efforts to, quote, intimidate individuals based on their views, unquote. They're saying they're going to combat that efforts to intimidate people based on their views. And I thought, wait a second here. Where was this Justice Department when the Fairfax parents who dared to complain about things like critical race theory were actually put on a docs list by a social media group which had school board members in it participating in the social media group doing this? Um, this social media group called for people to dig for dirt on these parents and publicly shame them. So where's the Justice Department and all that? And what about that Fairfax PTA official who said, let them die? Why, why didn't that instigate all this? That's actually as close to a death threat as you yeah. get when you say, let them die. You didn't actually say you're going to kill them, but you certainly didn't sound like you were going to be disappointed. So that's unbelievable. So at best, this is inconsistent and one-sided. At worst, it reveals corrupt and totally politicized individuals in the Justice Department making this happen. Now, I want to be really clear. We obviously do not endorse any act of violence of any kind. And I don't think, but I don't think there have been these threats of violence because they're not citing any. We haven't seen any. And we've been in a lot of school boards around Virginia. So, but what I can see is that they are, if, if there's anything, it's an extremely isolated one-off case. But even if there was a validated threat, clearly that should be a matter of local law enforcement rather than being immediately escalated all the way up to President Biden and then to the, to the FBI. That's unbelievable. Yeah, I think maybe they cited like a one-off case or two, but it, it wasn't clear whether they had validated that. And I do think your point uh, begs the question, you know, your point that there's not enough to go off here, why are they taking this drastic action, begs the question of what is the real purpose and intent here? What, what do they actually want? Is this, in fact, a national level attempt to publicly shame and delegitimize these parents further? And worse, I mean, is it going to work? Is it going to have an effective way to chill the speech of all these parents who actually might be intimidated by the thought that the federal government might come after them. What do you think? Well, I think it's certainly an effort to create mass intimidation of these parents. I will say, though, if you know these moms, they're not going to be yeah. intimidated. I saw one, you know, just the other day with a sign, moms versus FBI. So they're going to stand strong. But that's exactly what it is. And um, it already takes a lot for concerned parents to speak up. After all, speaking up for your kids um, when they're facing things like, you know, and these parents ending up on enemy lists in some cases, even losing their job. But now they could face a domestic terrorist charge. So it's alarming. Well, once again, thankfully, we have conservative leaders speaking up on this. They didn't remain silent. And I love what former Education Secretary Bill Bennett said on Fox News the other day. He compared this whole thing to the Empire Strikes Back. Let's just listen in on that for a moment. This is the Empire Strikes Back, Steve. Right. Or years ago, when I was Education Secretary, I termed a phrase called the blob which is the education establishment. And so you might say this is the revenge of the blob. The blob is striking back. But to use the power of the FBI to suggest uh, that parents should shut up, which is really what they're saying mm -hmm. here, uh, and uh, let uh, the schools uh, do whatever they want to do, uh, 
you know, this notion that parents should not have the major say in the education of their children. Right. Um, this is what's at stake right now. Well, this is the first time we've given the inconceivable award to the FBI, of all things, but they definitely deserve it. You know, after all, they're saying they're going to investigate whether parents concerned about things like curriculum are domestic terrorists. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together.